My God is alive, my God is alive, my God is creator and he is alive. My God is alive, my God is alive, my God is creator and he is alive. He made all the heavens and earth, yes it's true, he showed all his glory so there's no excuse. So worship, adore him, and baptize his name. So clear as he enters, his greatness proclaim. My God is alive, my God is alive, my God is alive. The Christ is alive, the Christ is alive, the Christ is our Savior, and he is alive. The Christ is alive. The Christ is alive, the Christ is our Savior, and He is alive. He rose from the bondage and gloom of the grave, exalted on high for the life that He gave. So glory and honor and praise is His name. So King of all kingdoms, His sonship proclaim. The Christ is alive, the Christ is alive. The Christ is alive. God's Word is alive. God's Word is alive. God's Word is the Bible and it is alive. God's Word is alive. God's Word is alive. God's Word is the Bible and it is alive. The Spirit inspired the great men of God who penned all the message while here. It's sharpers and swords and it bears the same. Since powers is failing, its worth we proclaim. God's word is alive. God's word is alive. God's word is alive. Today is Pentecost Sunday, and this day it means uh, many different things to different people that's because there's a long history of what pentecost represents and the importance of this day of pentecost this history goes back into the the old testament and there's numerous prophecies about uh, the holy spirit that's going to be outpoured upon the people and in ezekiel 37 i want to share with you just one passage that speaks about the events that we know were fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. In Ezekiel chapter 37, this is what we read. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. 
Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into those, into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as, as he commanded me and breath entered them and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, my people. I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle uh, I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and have done it, declares the Lord. Now, this is only one passage among so many uh, that speak about that God is going to send his Holy Spirit and he's going to breathe new life into the people. And this for a long time among the people of Israel was so important because they were they were awaiting the moment whenever God's spirit was going to move them to, to come back and to, to have things like it was supposed to be. Because really, let's face it, as you look at the history of Israel, after both of the, uh, the northern tribes and the southern tribes, after all of them were taken into captivity, and then, yes, they were allowed to come back, but even after they came out of the exile, it never was quite the same for the people. They were always longing for this time whenever God was going to breathe new life into them and that they were going to see him working in new ways among this people. Now, we as Christians, of course, we take that and we recognize it was during the days of Jesus that this came about. So we have so many prophecies about this time of Jesus. Even Jesus himself spoke about the need to get ready for that time. He kind of prophesied, if you will. He told them to prepare. Now we see this in a couple of different passages, especially if we look at the, the writings of Luke, because Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, but then he also wrote the book of Acts, and that's where we're going to eventually head on the day of Pentecost. But before we get there, let's look at how Jesus tells them to prepare and how they do prepare. And, and we see that before that moment of Pentecost comes about. Jesus tells them at the end of Luke, in Luke chapter 24, verses 45 through 49. Then Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So those are the words that Jesus left them with. And yes, he's told about this power. Uh, you know, yes, he told them about this power and he opened their minds, but I still don't know that they really got it. However, they did what Jesus said to do. Uh, they, they prepared themselves for it. They prepared themselves in several different ways, actually. If we look at, at the pages of Acts, we see how they started to prepare. In Acts chapter 1, we notice that they were praying together. We also notice that they had a sense of unity because they gathered together. They didn't just, you know, scatter everywhere. No, they had a sense of unity. They were in one place together. And then we also notice one of the things that they did is, is they were kind of reevaluating and reformatting their leadership because remember what happened with Judas. 
Well, that leaves their leadership in weird things because they're supposed to be these 12 apostles. But what do you do whenever one of them goes away in the way that Judas did? They restructured the leadership. Uh, that they had among these believers. So in Acts chapter 1, we read things like this in verses 14 through 16, speaking about the believers. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scriptures had to be fulfilled, in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guides to those who arrested Jesus. And if you keep reading, he presents before the group, he says that we need to replace Judas. We need to have this number of 12 once again. So we notice that the disciples were preparing for that day of Pentecost. And I want you to kind of, for a little while, put yourself in the feet of the apostles and recognize what is going on in the moments leading up to the day of Pentecost. We like to focus on that day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, and we like to see all the great things and, and to, uh, to notice uh, all the wonderful things that happened at that time. But let's remember what led up to that moment. Because if you remember, Jesus was raised up from the dead. Now that happened if, if today was actually Pentecost, you know, assuming that you're watching this uh, at, at real time um, on Pentecost Sunday. If today was, was actually Pentecost, then going back how long ago it would have been that Jesus rose up from the dead, you'd go back to the day of Easter. Because Easter was actually the, the correct Sunday. That was whenever Jesus would have been raised up from the dead. So he was raised up from the dead on Easter Sunday. And then think of how long that has been for you. Think of all the things that have happened. You know, think back to that time of maybe you had an Easter egg hunt or, or something like that that you can kind of remember that moment. It's been a few weeks, hasn't it? Well, about a week and a half ago, what would have happened was something interesting. Because once Jesus was raised up from the dead on Easter Sunday, he was on the earth for 40 days. But then, if today was Pentecost, a week and a half ago, roughly, 10 days ago, Jesus would have ascended up into heaven. And then you would have the disciples being in a weird time. That weird 10 days as to trying to figure out, what do we do now? Now, yes, they were preparing and we see that, you know, they did all of these things. They, they stuck together. But yet, 50 days after Jesus raised up from the dead and 10 days after he ascended into heaven, we see the day of Pentecost. Now, they probably didn't know how, how wonderful of a time it was going to be and how, how the Spirit was going to be poured out on the day of Pentecost. They, they probably didn't understand those things. They could later reflect on them, and we can reflect on them because we know the, the importance of this day. See, the day of Pentecost, it goes back, and it's, it's related to, to several things, but most importantly, it is the time that they celebrated the first fruits, the times whenever uh, the crop started to produce something uh, of, of value in the land of Israel. That's what Pentecost was. It was to bring in the first fruits and to recognize that there's kind of a little bit of a hope and a promise that there will be more to follow. And Jesus sort of was like the, the first one in the sense of he raised up from the dead ahead of everybody else, and he is called the first fruits of our resurrection. And we also have been promised that we're going to be raised up from the dead. And there's even more things that are connected with the day of Pentecost because the Holy Spirit comes. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he fills the church. He fills the people. This is actually 
you might even look at it as the birthday of the church. So happy birthday to all of you who are a part of the church. Today is the day that we remember how the Holy Spirit came and how the Holy Spirit moved among his people with this great power that we see. So let's take a look at what happened on the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, we're going to begin in verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came and rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, what I want you to notice are a few things that happened on this day of Pentecost. We see that the Holy Spirit is enabling them. He is giving them the ability. He, he has come among them. And he's given each one some type of an ability to, to be able to do something great, something out of the ordinary. In this case, what the Holy Spirit is doing is he's allowing them to speak in these tongues that they weren't able to, to speak in before. The Holy Spirit allowed them to be able to speak those languages. And we see that that happened whenever uh, the Holy Spirit came and all these believers were together in this one place. And could you imagine what that moment would have been like? Could you imagine how it would be a little kind of just concerning, a little startling, that this is going to be the day that the power of the Holy Spirit is coming upon his people. The Spirit is enabling them to do these wonderful things. Now, you know, yes, it, it could be something very different that the Holy Spirit enables us to do, of course, today. But, you know, this same Spirit that was enabling them, that was helping them, that was providing for them, is the same Spirit that provides gifts for us that allows us to do things today. This is what he did on the birth of the church on the day of Pentecost. But there's more that the Holy Spirit was doing too in their midst. In Acts chapter two, now if we look at verses five through 16, now what we notice is that they are proclaiming this message. Notice this message that is being proclaimed in their midst. In Acts two, verses five through 12, now there were standing in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Well, we're going to get into what that means in just a moment. But notice that it, what's stated right here is, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Can we learn this lesson from the day of Pentecost? This lesson is that they were boldly proclaiming this message of what God is doing in their midst because all of these people were able to hear them declaring the works of God. Can we speak about those things? Can we speak about the things that God has done? Can we speak about the power that God has among his people? I hope that we can learn that lesson. Now, I'm not saying that we need to be able to, to speak in tongues and do all these things. No, I believe that this was a kind of a one-time event that, that happened that was a, a big kickoff of the church when the Holy Spirit came in this type of power. But you know what? I don't know what the Holy Spirit might be doing during our days, 
But are we willing to boldly proclaim what God is doing? Let's look around us. Let's see what God has done for us. Think about what God has done for you. And then be able to share that with people. Be able to declare those things openly. And yes, sometimes people might ask, well, what does all this mean? You know, what's the point of all this? That's what they were asking. And to that, let's look at the answer. Now we see in Acts chapter 2, continuing on in verses 13 through 21, some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, this passage is whenever the outpouring of the Spirit comes. God has said this. God has prophesied this many times. He says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. And that is exactly what we see that happened on the day of Pentecost. How does it look whenever he pours out um, his Spirit? And who is he pouring out his Spirit on? It says on all people. We see that there's all these different types of, of, of borders that we might come up with. You know, We see that it's not just uh, about... Um, old men or young men, we see that both of them are listed. We see young men's mentioned, old men are mentioned. So age is not a problem with the Holy Spirit. He is uh, being poured out on all of them. We also see it's about sons and it's about daughters. It's about men. It's about women. It's about these servants. It's about all these different barriers that we as humans, we, we build up and we think, oh, well, you know, this person is different than that person and, and all these things. And yeah, some of them are, are actual, you know, differences about, you know, men and women, young and old. Okay. Yes, there's differences there, but sometimes we think, oh, well, you know, old men or young men can't do this thing or that thing. The Holy Spirit didn't do such things. He didn't divide us like that. What he did is he poured out on all of the people, on all the church, because there is a place for each and every single one of us in the church of God. The Holy Spirit was poured out on all people. We see these different divisions that we might have, that we might look at and we might see. But yet the Holy Spirit, he crosses all of those borders. He even crosses the border of language. I mean, look at what he's doing. He is outpouring of the Holy Spirit, allowing them to speak. Language barriers, age barriers, um, different roles, different genders, all these different, all these different uh, boundaries that we might see. The Holy Spirit is crossing all of them, and he is being poured out in this moment. Now, at this point, we see verse 21. We read about everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, and most of you probably want to immediately go to verse 38. Now, I have purposely, even though, of course, I'm referencing it right now, I purposely not included that because I think it's important that we recognize this power of the Holy Spirit, the coming of the Holy Spirit, and that we just kind of sit in this for a little bit and recognize what the Holy Spirit is doing here and the importance of the Holy Spirit coming. We oftentimes want to fast forward and we want to see, well, you know, what, what does it mean that, that people are going to be saved? Yes, that's part of this message. That's part of even what Jesus said. But, you know, don't just fast forward and say, oh, well, you know, 
Peter says to repent and be baptized. So that's what we need to do. Let's not just fast forward immediately to that. I know I referenced it again, but let's, let's pull back the reins just a little bit. And let's recognize the Spirit working right here. Let's recognize the Spirit working in this passage that we notice. And let's also recognize the message that Peter is proclaiming. Because if you keep reading in a few more verses, this is the gospel that he's proclaiming. He goes on, and I'm sharing with you verses 22 through 24 now. And Peter goes on and he says, Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it is impossible for death to keep its hold on him. This is still a moment when Peter is proclaiming this, this power of the Holy Spirit. What was done through Jesus Christ. Yes, there's some bad things. He was handed over. He was crucified. But... Verse 24, God raised him from the dead. He's the first fruits. And we see that on the day of Pentecost, what happened was the church was born. This is the church, this is the church's birthday. It's our birthday. It's the time in which we recognize, yes, Jesus was raised up from the dead. And because of that, we have a hope. Because of the power of the Holy Spirit, we have hope that we too will be raised from the dead in the future. That death will not be uh, will not have the, the final say in our life. It did not have the final say in Jesus' life. Death is not going to have the final say in our life either. We have this promise that has been given by the Holy Spirit. We see that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it was prophesied for thousands of years up until the point. We also notice that before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, they needed to prepare. And then we see that on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on all different types of people, if you keep reading the book of Acts, you find out the Holy Spirit is not done just on the day of Pentecost. He's not finished with his work. No, that's kind of like he comes in a different type of power than what you've seen him uh, throughout either the Old Testament or the New Testament after that point. We see that now he's among all of these people and that he is enabling them to do great things. And I believe that if we have eyes of faith, we can see even today what the Holy Spirit is doing in our midst. Can we choose to open up our hearts, open up our lives, and let the Holy Spirit use us in ways? Because the Spirit has been poured out on His church. The Spirit is still among His church today. And the Spirit is still full of this power and willing to give all of these things to us and do these great things through us if we just choose to submit to Him and to follow uh, Jesus Christ and the way of Jesus. When a child